For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening we're going to be talking about image. Uh, we're going to be profiling the team from the Image Salon. That's right. Uh, this is, uh, you know, it's amazing. Even though today's digital world and everybody's taking pictures of their phones, still want to have touch-ups and, and corporations still need it. Headshots, product uh, product shots for all the online advertising and, and e-commerce. So there's it's still a pretty big industry. And uh, they've been doing this for the last five years and have grown quite a bit. So uh, their story is going to be quite interesting. Daniel and Davina join us from the Image Salon coming up in a little bit. And later in the show, we're going to talk a bit about marketing, of course. And uh, Natalie Riviere of Cometa Communications, our online marketing specialist, is going to talk about the value of content creation and banking as well. Uh, because you can get a get blitz uh, your your content, get a bunch done for, for a few months, for the year even, and uh, just save it for release later. So we'll talk about that. Dan, you know, you know, content isn't always the easiest and content is king. So we're going to have that very interesting and fun discussion later. I've heard that content is king once or twice before. Once or twice. Um, so it Almost is. like cash is king. Um, cash is king is better than content is king. But in today's world, who knows? Uh, let's begin with labor. And I want to talk about the, the labor shortage in Montreal because I've been in business now. We're going on our ninth year and I've never really felt it until until the last couple of months, actually. it's I find it difficult to recruit people. Um, a lot of demand for, for labor. And uh, here's one way. This is uh, from uh, Fast Company, how employers can make flexible work for everyone. Is that the solution, perhaps, to, uh, to addressing uh, part or part of the solution to addressing this, this workplace dilemma employers have is do you, do you give a ton of flexibility to your employees, especially your millennial employees? There's no question talent war is on and it is strong. Unemployment rates are low. It is not the easiest to find your next best greatest talent. There's a lot of poaching that's going on. There's a lot of, you know, uh, headhunting and recruiting. It's it's really is a tough market, Dan. I feel for you. I know, you know, we, we see it every day all over. Work flexible work hours is just one aspect to I don't even want to say differentiate you because there's so many more companies that are doing it these days. But there's no question that in today's world millennials or otherwise because it's not just the millennials that want that flexibility you can still have your your gen xers your baby boomers that can still want it you know there are different stages of their life but work flexibility is something uh, you know and and really we're talking flex hours talking flex hours a little bit of telecommuting a little bit of the able being able to re work remotely from home but when you're talking about flex hours it's it's a it's a great concept it can be very attractive. Uh, it's attractive to young mothers, you know, who definitely, you know, might have different drop-off and pick-up times with their kids. Uh, it might be, you know, for those that are that are have their hobbies, might be good, you know, start a little bit later, a little or or end a little bit later. But here's here's the thing: as much as you want to have it, you really got to make sure that the managers are able to manage. It's too easy for employees to take advantage of flex hours. You know, yes, you can. You can come in at seven and leave at four, or you can come in at ten and leave it. Uh, you know, come in at eight, ten and leave at six. Uh, you know, figure out your hours. But if you're there and your manager is not not supervising you, it's easy to be taken advantage of. This doesn't mean that we assume every employee is bad and and all that. 
However, if you can't, it's all about managing people. And I, I think today it's, and certainly with the millennials and, and generations that are younger than me, I won't say us, Dan, you're, you're considerably younger than me. Considerably. Considerably. I would say it's, it's really about managing the results. It's a lot more about managing results and managing the hours. What, you know, because everybody works at a different efficiency level too. One person can pump out X amount of work mm -hmm. in eight hours and another one might take 15 hours to do it just because they're less efficient. They're not as comfortable with the computer. They're a little new on the job. They're still a learning curve. There could be so many different ways. So it's, it, it's easier to have work flexible hours if you have the right managers and can manage the results. So it's, and they almost have to be trained to be able to, to manage people and manage results. Uh, and I, I think the other, you know, so it's, it is about productivity. It is about understanding uh, the output versus the input. I think you also have to kind of be flexible about flexibility. You know, it's it. Some people don't work well within it, and others work very well. And you have to look at your whole complement and your business. You know, because you're a service business or product business. Are you dealing locally? Or are you dealing around the world? Uh, th there's there's a lot of factors to be taken into account. But if you can find the right mix of flex hours or, or work flexibility that can work for you, definitely it's an advantage over some other employers. And it is very different depending on the employee. I mean, the thing that we do, or the task we do most often is probably writing. And in that case, I mean, you can get someone uh, that can, you know, write a thousand words in two hours or another person might take three days. So, you know, as long as the deadlines are met, I don't care uh, how long they're taking in their private time. But not everybody can, can manage that. And, and when you're looking at maybe some generations that are that are getting a little older, it, you know, it's about, you know, if it's at 8.30, well, don't come in at 8.32. Hmm. You know, and if you come in at 8.28, I'm not necessarily giving you the extra two minutes. So it, it really depends on the, the environment and the culture within that environment. Uh, I would say, but if you can strike a great balance and figure out a great potential work environment that includes flexibility, advertise it. Don't keep it to yourself. Let the, let the people know so that it's one more feature that can attract talent. This from Inc.com, five ways to protect your company from a cyber attack. This has been making news uh, around Quebec for a while. We had the big Desjardins scandal, of course, over the, uh, over the summer, and they're taking steps uh, to, uh, to counter that, uh, hiring lawyers and investigators for the clients. Um, first, you know, how, how do you protect yourself, Josh? And then uh, maybe chat about the response afterwards. I mean, how do you reinstill confidence in your customers after that kind of uh, flaw? I think, uh, you know, as far as restoring confidence, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. But I think, it, you know, how to protect yourself, I, I, I hate, you know, it comes down to be as simple as common sense. Now, we know sense, you know, common sense isn't always so common, but being a little vigilant, you know, reading an email and saying, that doesn't make sense. Why is this person asking me to transfer money to that account? You know, yes, it might come from their email address. Yes, it might be a .co instead of a .com, but everything else is the same. So if there's if there's a little bit of a suspicious request, well, check it out. It might really not be true. Um, backups. don't store Backups shouldn't be within the same network that you're working. It shouldn't be on your own network. Backups should be, whether it's in the cloud, a data service center, uh, taken physically off, uh, off the offline premises. Offline in a lockbox. Offline in a yeah. lockbox. Just don't store your backups on your own network. And I, I guess there's, you know, if you're a larger organization and you have a number of IT people within your organization, you can separate the tasks. You can have your 
IT separate. You can have a, a maybe one guy dedicated to cybersecurity and have have him or her deal with and and keep keep aspects apart. That's really more for larger companies. But you know, you're talking a Desjardins, and they they really they, they they should have all these separate things. And of course, train your employees. If you see a phishing attempt uh, and not and phishing with a PH, then train them. Tell them what to look for. Uh, lastly, um, how do you compete with some of the big brands for top tech talent? Uh, certainly a lot of tech companies are gobbling up that talent right here in Montreal. How do you compete with that? I think at the end of the day, if everybody's looking for the same thing and you're a small business, it's going to be hard to stand out. So look for something a little bit less traditional. Uh, you know, think, think of, think of your product, think of your service and maybe don't go after somebody that's in a slightly different industry or sector. They might have the same or similar skill set, but bring a different viewpoint, and they might not even be thinking about your particular sector. So look for a bit less tra less traditional. You can also look beyond the borders. You can look outside of Quebec, outside of Canada. Uh, yes, you'll have to deal with some immigration issues, possibly, if it's out, outside of Canada, but you might have this great candidate that's tired of living in France that wants to come to Quebec for whatever reason they want to come here. Uh, and it might be a great talent to, to come in. So, so play that. I think the other thing is if you can offer somebody the ability to advance faster in your business than somewhere else, well then play that up as well. That leadership opportunity is something that somebody else might really be looking for instead of the, you know, putting your head down and just plowing through. Good article from Inc.com, how to compete for uh, with top brands uh, for big tech talent. That's on Inc.com. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And this evening, let's welcome Daniel and Davina Kudish of The Image Salon. Welcome to CJD, guys. Hi, Thank thanks you. for having us. So first question, Josh. First uh, question, the hardest, time? actually, it could be the hardest question of the <laughs> night for them. We don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll ask you, Daniel, Davina, what is The Image Salon? Uh, so The Image Salon is a photography and post-production service. Uh, we work with about 2,000 clients from all around the world, from 40 different countries. Uh, photographers primarily who don't want to spend time retouching their photos, and they send those in to our team. That wasn't so hard. No, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a great idea. I have to say, I've worked with a lot of photographers over the years, and they all complain about the editing process. They're, they're skilled at their craft, but the editing part is like a different thing, right? Yeah, that's right. And a lot of them have families, or they want to spend time shooting. This is where they make money, right, is when they get hired to shoot. Uh, as long as the editing is consistent with uh, their style and their brand, it doesn't really matter if they're the ones doing it or if they outsource it to someone. And that's really what our business is all about. When did you start the Image Salon? So we just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah, it's hard to believe it's only been five years. We've done a lot in that time. Well, what, what was before the Image Salon? Davina plus Daniel. <laughs> well, we were we were wedding photographers by trade, so we were shooting weddings and traveling, and you know Daniel and I built this business, just the two of us. Um, but then we also had an associate studio in Montreal. They did local weddings, um, and then we just kind of thought that the Image Salon was going to be a nice little side project, but it kind of took over more than we could have ever anticipated. Was it was 
I mean, you saw, you saw a void in the market. Was there not enough? You, you know, you, you heard about all that you were in the community. So like, where was the, was there like an aha moment that said we should really start this? Yeah. So we try to outsource ourselves. And so we tried some of our today competitors um, and the results that we kept getting back were very average and generic and nobody asked about our personal style or try to match what we were doing already. And so that's really where we saw that there was a gap in the industry. So we said, look, if we're going to start this, we're really going to create this relationship between the photographer and the editor and make sure that they match their style to the existing uh, photographer's approach. Yeah, what we were really looking for, like as clients, basically, was someone to match our style and to be able to feel like we have someone on our team. You know, it's like insourcing but outsourced. So that's what we had trouble um, finding. There was nobody customizing the editing. So naturally, I mean, the, the team around you is hugely important. So let's talk HR. Let's talk human resource. Uh, <laughs> first of all, how many are you today? Yeah, so our team total is uh, just a little over 120 employees. And day one, five years ago, you were two, three? <laughs> yeah, we, we had some photographers uh, shooting for our associate studio, uh, but editors, we just had a couple uh, working at our condo. Yep, 1,000 we- square feet. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's that's where you got to start. We were talking uh, b- before before the break, before you came on, about the talent war and how hard it is to find talent. And in five years, you've grown to 120 yeah. people. How difficult was it for you, or maybe it wasn't, to find the right, whether it's photo editors or what, any part of your team? Honestly, I want to say that we were just so smart, and we we're like, we chose Montreal as a hub because there are so many artists here. But really, that's just. We just got lucky. Um, We started the business not thinking we were ever going to be expanding the way that we have um, to as many employees. And yeah, we just, I mean, it makes sense. Montreal, there are photography schools. There's a lot of young artists, a lot of people who need work in the arts. Um, So we just, yeah, we really never ran out of good candidates. We've always had waiting lists of of good candidates. Now, at the beginning, you were interviewing on your own and you were kind of finding them on your own. At what point does that, they got too cumbersome for you to deal with and that you start either outsourcing or insourcing if you you hire if you have your own HR yeah so it was around the I think employee around like 30 40 that's when we realized it was becoming a little bit too much for the two of us to really manage Uh, and one of our employees who started in customer service was really the person on the ground who was managing the team and so we said hey do you want to you know be our HR person and we didn't call it HR up until more recently uh, it was we always called it team happiness and today she's director of HR and team happiness because really her job it consists of ensuring that everybody on the team stays happy and they're comfortable and they love their job getting smiles as much as you can mm-hmm. every day yeah was it a steady growth over the five years or was there kind of a one part that kind of shot up yeah generally it was steady over the years up until last fall uh, we got a contract with a giant of the travel industry, and they really required us to scale rapidly. Uh, yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah, so we jumped. What does rapidly mean? <laughs> well, we jumped from about 70 employees to 150 in a span of uh, eight weeks. Yeah. Um, wow. So it went, it went very, very quickly. How do you, how do you find 70 people overnight? Uh, it goes back to the, the Montreal aspect. I mean, like Davina was saying, there are so many artists here uh, who otherwise are working in cafes or bars and, you know, freelancing on the side. And we're providing them with a full-time job in their field and we give them flexible schedules so they can still keep freelancing as well. 
And um, yeah, we didn't have to rely on any recruiters or anything of the sort. And it just, it came. We were like all hands on deck when this happened. You know, it was like, okay, we have to do this. We have to scale. It's say yes and figure it out later. That's always the way we do things. Um, it's, it's like true entrepreneurs. Yeah, I guess so. Everything has a solution. It's just, you just need to find it. How do you stay creative? How do you stay uh, artistic when you're scaling so fast? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the image salon itself for us is not a creative, wasn't not a creative outlet. You know, it's about running the business and providing a quality service and having good customer service up until recently. So we uh, launched a B2B photography service in the last few months. So we're launching this locally here in Montreal, where we go into a business that needs photography, needs visual contact, and we provide them with all of that. And that's really where Davina and I have been, you know, getting our fill of creative Output. Yeah, that's actually we were we've been so focused on the business and doing all of this stuff that, you know, the creative stuff that we used to get from photographing weddings, we're not doing as much anymore. So it's been nice to get back into the creative side of things. You know, with, with such a great number of people, you got to have your left hand and right hand and, and mm-hmm. your kind of your management team. How, how did you kind of pick and choose your management team along the way? Honestly, they were just there. <laughs> that sounds like a this weird horseshoe, answer. This horseshoe that keeps coming up, you know. <laughs> that sounds kind of a weird answer, but it's true. I mean, um, so always had... from within, the, like you didn't ever parachute anybody in from from the no, outside. It's been, it's been super organic. You know, someone starts as an editor or in customer service, and they excel at their job, and they you know know the company well, and they know what we're about, and. It's always been this sort of this natural growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have gone to outside consultants to help us help us with you know finances or marketing. Uh, so you know we, we do venture outside of the company when when we need to, but for the most part, everything that's operational and HR has been organically. Yeah, a lot of the people in our management team have been editors or started at the very beginning, so it, it's very helpful. They know the business well. They've seen our struggles. They've seen our successes. You know, they've grown with us. They know what it's like to be an editor. Um, so it's been helpful in, in having them uh, be a part of that management team. Yeah. Team happiness. That's great. What is your team doing tonight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a pub trivia night right now. <laughs> so, yeah, they are not probably not listening, actually. <laughs> we should have forced them but to it's, listen. it's one way to maintain the culture and maintain the yes. closeness amongst everybody. Yeah, that we is... do something mm-hmm. at least every week and then something bigger every quarter. Yeah. Uh, we definitely you know, value everything that they do for the business. And we want to make sure that they, they know this. Yeah. With a team of 120, you got to keep them going. You got to keep them connected. Mm-hmm. So so that's important. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. More with Daniel and Davina Kudish of the Image Salon coming up. I got asked them about working with influencers and social marketing. That'll be on the program. And later, uh, we'll talk more about social and content marketing and banking that content for your business. That's all on the way on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller, and this evening we're talking about uh, image. Daniel and Davina Kudish of the Image Salon, um, what they do is they uh, work with photographers and other artists, and they uh, they retouch photos and, and edit them from really all around the world, guys. Um, tell me about how you met, uh, because it's really a, uh, you're a couple that started in business and you grew that way. And tell me how, as a couple, uh, you work through your differences in business. 
It's like couples counseling. <laughs> Basically. Talk to us. <laughs> on air with all your friends. That's right. Well, we met on assignment for a magazine. I was 21 and was interning at a local magazine. Um, I was in journalism school. And there was this cute photographer on the assignment. Hello. Who, who, was, yeah. who was standing next to Daniel. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then behind. No. <laughs> yeah, so I did flirt a little bit. You know, that's how Daniel likes to tell the story. So I'm going to. I'm Go with be it. honest, yeah. Um, yeah, so we started dating after that, um, and just we went into business as wedding photographers like a few months in. So I always like to say that we do things in a really weird order. We kind of jump into things and then figure things out and um, skip steps, but then come back to those missteps, and we just end as up where we need to be. As long as you're doing that together, and as long as you kind of have that same vision. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess, but what happens when you do disagree? Does that ever happen? Oh, no, it never happens. Of course it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Rhetorical. Yeah. I feel like, you know, years in, in the past, we would take it personally and, mm. you know, that the fights would kind of drag on. Uh, but with time, we've learned that we're on the same team and, you know, we're trying to accomplish the same thing. And the other person's opinion is, you know, should be taken into consideration more seriously. And maybe I'm speaking for myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no. And, and for roles, do you compliment each other? Like, you don't do the same things at the image that's, salon. That's yeah. a really good point. And I think for a long time, we try to do the same thing and we try to be equals and to be like, whatever he can do, I can do and vice versa. And that wasn't really helpful in any way. And I think it's like that in our relationship and it's like that in business. You know, we do compliment each other. We both have strengths and weaknesses that differ from the other and... And that's a good thing. So we definitely do yeah. different things. And we don't resent each other for, you know, whatever, say, you know, one of us does a lot of one thing. We don't resent the other for not doing, because Speak we know for that yourself. They, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> we know that they, you know, bring something else to the table, both mm -hmm. in business and in personal True. Ways. Yeah. Re remember that when it's time to do the laundry again at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... But you also have sounding boards, right? It's not you don't just off your you don't just talk with each other. You use your team and and sounding boards. I don't know if you have mentors or outside people that you that you also kind of work with. Yeah, so we have an external CFO. Uh, she's really helped us turn things around mm -hmm. over the last eighteen months. Uh, we just uh, started working with a marketing consultant as well. Uh, so yeah, we definitely like to, you know, bring in outside opinions and really help us shape the business to move forward. Now, just switching gears a little bit, yeah. you know, you're, you're in, you're, you're finishing photos, you're, you're editing photos. Technology has got to play a huge role mm -hmm. in your business. Uh, probably not only with the, the service that you provide, but just running your own company. Tell us about the technology aspect and kind of where you were day one, five years ago, mm -hmm. and then yesterday. Yeah, so we start with, uh, you know, just online forms and Dropbox folders, and then we try to set up our own server, and that didn't go quite well. I prefer to not speak about this. Uh, <laughs> it's a painful wounds. moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so my brother was working at uh, WordPress for several years, and he was looking to do something different. Uh, so, you know, way before the company was ready to bring on a CTO and, you know, invest a lot of money into technology, we said, hey, let, let's do this. Let's build something from scratch. You know, that's really going to allow us to take the orders in and distribute them within the team and start tracking invoice adjustments and pay adjustments. And So nothing to do with the Photoshop editing yet. This is no, just exactly. running the business. Exactly. Yes. So we've been building this platform that's, you know, constantly uh, evolving over the last three years uh, to really handle uh, the influx of orders and handle the day-to-day the -day operations. Yeah, you talked about disagreements. That was a 
big one because I just couldn't see how and why it was the time to bring somebody on when we weren't, you know, barely breaking even. We weren't paying ourselves. And I'm like, now we're going to invest all this money in technology. So it's one time that I will admit that I was probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Daniel was right. Um, it has been this is a captured game. now for life. Yeah, you right. Know. <laughs> I'll just rewind, replay. Yeah. <laughs> Put what it about, as your ringtone or something. <laughs> what about on the image side? Have you are you guys using tools that have artificial intelligence or other cutting edge tools to to speed up that process? Uh, we're building some stuff. <laughs> yeah, okay. we're working on it. Yeah. Uh, we do use a lot of uh, you know shortcuts and you know anything that can make us more efficient obviously has a lot of value to us yeah shaving a few seconds off of a task that 120 people are doing multiple times a day really adds up so any anywhere that we can save some time definitely is worth it now it's interesting coming back to the technology for your own business you know it's evolved quite a bit like you say you had you had your cto that come on earlier or your the, this guy that came in was elsewhere what where does it stand today like is this something that's only for your own business is that something that you constantly tweak or develop what's been the best outcome is it just is it is a customer experience or user experience that's part of it um it's really well the the internal operational experience is you know pretty much hands off it's like the, the system handles everything so a client places an order uploads the images it go it know it the order knows who to go to, like if there's an assigned editor. Uh, if the number of images change, then we need to do an invoice adjustment. There's no accounting department that needs to get involved. They just We either credit the client or charge their credit card. Um, it sends the files automatically back to the client. If we need to set a due date, they get it notified automatically. Basically, every step where a human could get involved is being managed by, by the system. Mm -hmm. And Does then client-facing, it's a lot simpler and easier for them too, which you know converts to more sales and if it's easy to use for the clients and they'll keep coming back. Does that mean you don't have an accounting department? That's right. We use a, a accounting firm in Ontario that just does our bookkeeping at the end of the month, but we don't have an internal accounting. We only have five managers uh, mm -hmm. handling 120 people. So it's, we're really trying to keep it lean as much as possible. Now, now let's talk financing. You know, you, you're, you're building, you're growing rapidly. You have a lot of people you're going to pay. How does that learning and understanding the cash flow within your business from again from day one till today and certainly when you mentioned that you had almost doubled your team mm -hmm. at one point how, how did you handle that or what was some of the lessons there that has been the biggest roller coaster not just of our professional lives but of our lives in general yeah it's definitely not our strong suit uh <laughs> you know and, I, and i'm fine admitting it i don't think entrepreneurs need to be good at everything i think you need to recognize the the points where you are good and ones where you're maybe a little bit weaker and for us finances is one of those things uh so yeah so when we started working with mariev our uh, external cfo consultant uh she really helped us you know restructure the business on paper and make it look better than it was or make it look more accurate <laughs> yeah and that helps she us basically the better edited way. our yeah. finances yeah. you know like what we do like, with pictures yeah, you put it this way but let's put it this yeah. way and you know that helped us you know secure loans with uh, pme marial and bdc and really get us through a, a part of this stage where we were about to kind of explode in growth uh but we were struggling to you know, mm -hmm. make ends meet. Really. Yeah, it was a really tricky time. And then on the other side was just like a meadow of blooming flowers of money, you know, when we finally got through to there, it was so Did, much was, better. Was it a tough sell for the for these finance people? Like when you walked in and you had to describe what was coming next? No, and, and that was really the, mm -hmm. the differentiator for me is how excited she was when she came in and she we talked 
you know, for a couple hours. And she came back to us and she was like, no, I can see all of the potential. I can see what we can do. And yeah, she really understood our business. Yeah. And I, from my experience, it was a little bit rare in like the finance world. You would go to a bank and you would speak to someone and they were just kind of nod along and not really get excited. But she did. And for me, it was just like, this is the right person to help us. Mm-hmm. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. Our guests are Daniel and Davina Kudish of The Image Salon. We'll have their one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur coming up in a few minutes. But first, we welcome back our contributor, Natalie Riviere of Cometa Communications, online marketing specialist. And let's talk, Josh and Natalie, about the value of content creation and banking that content. Welcome back, Natalie, first of all. Thanks so much, Dan. And Josh, uh, we do say content is king once or twice on this business, but I think that's becoming more and more true. As we've discussed over the years, it's great to post on social media and do all that stuff. But if you don't have a website with your own information, your own content, you're not creating so so much value for yourself. It is. And, you know, we've, we've had this conversation multiple times over, over all the guests and all the entrepreneurs. And it because people question, you know, what's the value of social media and how do we measure? But it really starts with if you if you can't put the right content, well, then, yeah, your value might not really work out so well. So it really does start with what are you putting out there? What is your content? So, Natalie, uh, you know, th- this is this is your domain and say toi l'expert, you are the expert. So what you know, when we're talking about content management, what are the first few challenges that come to mind for entrepreneurs? Initially creating it, really, it's not easy to do. Everyone has a phone. Social media seems like so accessible. But to do it as a business, professionally, it's uh, it's quite a challenge. It's expensive, it takes time, and it takes creativity, which is not necessarily built into every business. No, and content, I mean, content could be pictures, it could be video, it could be words. You know, where where is the magic formula? Is there a magic formula for the business? I mean, ideally all of the above. Uh, words are definitely very important to start with because that's how we find each other. So search engines only read words. They don't read videos or photos. And so even the fancy banners on websites or the videos that are so important, that's not really connecting you to uh, the ways that you can be found. However, it is, let's say video is the most effective content, the most popular, and then images would be second to that. So all the social media channels, even the internet, we're all visual. Um, We're attracted to visuals. And so visuals are highly, highly, highly influential and important to get your brand messaging across. Now, visuals, you know, Davina, Daniel, you're, you're all about the visuals Mm -hmm. and you know, you, you admittedly said you haven't, you know, it's very organic. You haven't really tried the marketing. So when you're thinking of creating content, which you do for everybody else, (laughs) uh, what do you think is the kind of magic formula? What, what, is the challenge for you in creating this content for ourselves what we've done like with our instagram account for example is just try to show like our space a lot and our editors at work like what differentiates us from a lot of our competitors or pretty much all of our competitors is that our our workforce is in-house you know we're not outsourcing overseas everybody is at our studio or working from home um so we try to show you know these special pub nights that we have or you know um just everybody at work really um, about the the culture and environment of, exactly. the, of the firm yeah so we do a lot of that and then obviously you know some of our before and afters and things that we do and showcasing a little bit of, of all of that so you know i guess 
if you can provide genuine content, like that's the thing, you want mm-hmm. people to to really believe that this is who you are. So is it is it easy to tell, or how do you how do you kind of capture that genuine versus fake content? I know it's a really difficult question, but I'm asking it anyways. I mean, the data does show that authentic content will perform better. So technically, yes, genuine content does perform better um, in the ways that you can calculate it. But we also just feel, you know, fake news from something really genuine. Uh, and so, yeah, it comes down to the audiences. But in your case, you know, the audience is, yes, clients, and that's really important. But the audience is also hiring anybody looking mm. to even feature you on the media. Um, well, as we were talking about Talent War, yeah, if you can display your culture and kind of advertise yourself and, and how what makes you different or a fun place to work at, as an example, that too is 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 something that can come off and really work in your favor. Yeah, regardless of someone's position, everyone wants to be a part of your story and they want to know your story. I mean, social media works because everyone would read each other's diaries if they could. And this is a way of doing it, like a visual diary in some of the cases. Um, and so showing the truth of your business, what goes on behind the scenes, uh, and the more that people can feel connected, they want to be a part of it, whether it's as a client or a contributor. But it's still there's still the challenge of actually creating that content. It takes exactly. time and effort and energy, uh, and you know, money, and and money, no question. So so how do like you know how do you display or how do you get across the entrepreneur that says it's worth your time, it's worth your effort. Well, when you do bank it on um, a medium that you own, and so if you are investing in photos, investing in video, and absolutely in copy, um, as long as it lives on a website that belongs to your business, it helps increase the value of your asset, of your brand. They become assets that are transferable. So the value of that video is something that you can bank and consider as part of your marketing tools. Dan, you are abnormally silent on this topic, <laughs> and you have a lot of opinions on content and, and social media. What are the thoughts that kind of run through your head as as an entrepreneur in this field? In my business is not so video-focused, so they're very different from me. So we, we do a lot of writing and a lot of PR and a lot of strategy. But I would say the one thing that ties us together is the, the need to build a website that provides an experience to someone, but also showcases your expertise. So it's nice to sort of show the behind the scenes of your business, but tell us what why you're so good at what you do and explain to a limited degree uh, how how it is that you do that. And if you, um, if you add some value by portraying yourself as an expert in your field, uh, and even if you do give away a little bit of yourself every time that you do that, I think you'll notice over the long term that you'll be uh, well-respected in your industry and you'll uh, and customers will appreciate the, the time they spent on your website. Give you to sound get. exactly like our marketing consultant. Well, yeah, yeah. I have a good marketing <laughs> consultant. <laughs> give to get, you know, we, we mm-hmm. hear time in, time out. But now once you've created the content, let's get over that hurdle and we've created the content, we found it great. Where to display it, where to put it on, which social media platform or other platform is really the best one for you or for that business? Well, they definitely all have their strengths. Um, Video, if it's not something that's tied to income for you, for example, like if it was a training video that you wanted someone to pay for, then you would keep that within uh, an intranet or a back end of your website. Otherwise, I, I know Vimeo exists and everyone likes it. And yes, you can put it there too, but... I would recommend YouTube because it's owned by Google and it does influence search engines and all the other Google tools. So you do get a lot of visibility uh, by participating in that uh, social media channel. Um, Taking notes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Instagram, no, of course, highly visual. And so, uh, you know, it's not just the selfie, like DIY quality that does well on a highly visual channel. Let's also not forget audio, though, because uh, that's an important uh, content as we know very well on radio. <laughs> Thank you so much, Natalie. I know it's it's always a big topic, but uh, we address it as, as quickly and as concisely as we can. And uh, and as we approach the last moment of our show, as we do each week, we'll turn to Daniel and Davina and ask you guys, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Davina, you first. Mine's a little cheesy, because um, I can be a little cheesy. I would say just be a good person. <laughs> um, if you treat your employees well and you, you know, genuinely care about your clients getting a good experience, then I think you kind of build a business on good karma. Excellent. Daniel? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's a quote from uh, Robin Roberts. Um, she said, dream big and focus small. And for me, that really struck a chord a few years ago when I heard it. She was on Oprah. And I've carried that forward ever since. Excellent. Dan, my, my quick takeaway is, you know, it came up a little bit. We didn't really delve into it, but there was definitely a vision. It was definitely a look ahead. It was kind of invest and it will follow, invest in people, invest in tech, and it will happen even though it might hurt in the short run. Excellent. Well, Daniel and Davina Kudish, thanks so much and congrats on your success in such a, a remarkably short time and uh, come back to see us soon. Thank you Thank so you. much. And thanks Natalie Riviera of, uh, of Cometa Communications as well. And Josh, next week we're going to uh, get into the real estate business. Real estate proprio active. All right, that's coming up next uh, s Monday night at 7. Don't forget todaysentrepreneur.org for over a decade worth of entrepreneur profiles and we'll see you back here in a week. Good night.